what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sports and Anims podcast. I'm your host, Aziz, a.k.a. Z, and I'm joined today by my brother and fellow co-host, Omar. Yo, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's going on, brother? Not much, not much, man. Just excited that we're finally starting this, you know? It's about goddamn time, man. We've been thinking about this. We've been trying to start this for a minute now. Two minutes, and, really. Uh, <laughs> two minutes, for sure. Uh, I mean, we just... It is what it is, man. We we all got busy schedules. We're trying to work around it. But look, man, it's here. It's about damn time. You know, the rent is too damn high. Rent and we're here, high. baby. Yeah, we are. We are. And uh, honestly, how, how do we even introduce this? Because I feel like the title is pretty self-explanatory, right? <laughs> like, we, we, we discuss sports. We discuss anime. I mean, we even discuss sports anime, right? And and honestly, whatever else is in between, because we have a lot of interests, right? Is that it? Like, what, 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 do, what do we tell these guys? Bro. Like man, I'll be honest. I don't really know how to introduce this shit. Like man, I'm I'm here for a good time, not a long time. You know I. So you know what I'm saying like we, we out here. You, like you said oh, it, man. man. Like we like we we discuss in sports, we discuss in animes, and we discuss in everything else. Yeah. See, like I think the the viewers, you know, they don't know about this, but now they're gonna know about this. Like really, this is just an excuse for us to get together and talk about the stuff that we we always talked about. Now that unfortunately distance is a uh, is a thing, right? I'm halfway across the country. Uh, from you guys and it stinks because we used to just chill in the basement uh, at our parents house and and shoot the shit and now we can't anymore so this is really just an excuse for us to to talk like we always used to talk it's so it's so funny too actually because because i mean we need an ad uh, a sponsorship for this by the way but uh you know we're using skype to record this and we literally used to make fun of skype as being like you know, like the only method that our parents keep in touch with our relatives overseas. And right. like that's become, literally the become only them. use that it has for. And then we it became obsolete them. with WhatsApp, you know, right. and then WhatsApp became like even more of a Skype than Skype was. And so like and now we're using it to record a podcast, which I think is hilarious. But I mean, look, man, there's we got to work around it. But at the end of the day, man, the content doesn't stop. You know, the ideas keep flowing and things are still happening, especially in the sports world, bro. Like we got playoffs coming up in, in the NBA and it's hot. Unfortunately, we're missing our third member, who was uh, <laughs> unfortunately, and you know, I, I don't want to take away the seri- seriousness of the issue, but unfortunately, he's on the 10-day IL, uh, maybe uh, <laughs> a little further, maybe 14, maybe maybe 20 even, depend, depends on the test results, but he contracted COVID. And, oh, yeah, uh, he's, uh, he, he was a little bit on his Rudy Gobert. He was know? a little bit. He, he, he was. He was definitely on his Rudy Gobert a little bit, and I'm kind of feeling a little bit like Donovan Mitchell out here because I'm sleeping in a room like right next to his. And uh, dude, I'm telling you, actually, which it's you know this literally has nothing to do with sports or anime, right? But like quarantining in a house is actually so difficult. Like keeping yeah, him properly isolated and like everybody else safe. Well, because here's the thing, like when he first came and uh, like he came like. like you know sunday night and he was like feeling fine ish maybe but like it was like when he went to sleep you know he was like coughing and he was like feeling like feverish and then he like told my little sister like in the middle of the night like hey like you you gotta leave here like i don't think it's safe for you to sleep here right so i mean up until the time that he like actually got to the house and like went into the room you know i'm sure he like used the bathroom or like you know did other things maybe touched the fridge like did all these things that like spread it around and i'm actually certain he went to the basement you know during that time there's like all of this time before he was like actually like isolated completely where he was just exposing essentially everything that was around him and so like it's not it's not his fault right like it's not like no 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 like i'm not i'm not here blaming him you can't know either and and once he started feeling the symptoms he was like yo like I'm going to stay in this room. You know, like he did like what you're supposed to do, like properly. Then it just puts you on like high alert mode because you're just like, dude, what is safe and what isn't? And then you kind of like are living under the suspicion that like you can't touch like everything, but you're also trying to still be able to do things. You know what I mean? Like I want to still open the doorknob so so that I could go use the bathroom or like open the fridge. And, and, And it's just hard, especially with. So we're a family of eight. When you have like this many people in the house and like our house is definitely not meant for, you know, like keeping somebody in, in one space. No, no, uh, no. It's it, it's it's actually just difficult. And I, I didn't think about like the I guess like the practical issues about it until now, you know, even being yeah. a med student and like working in the hospital and seeing like how like they, they've been operating. It's so much easier in that 
you know, type of environment because they're able to just like keep a patient in a room, completely lock it. Every time somebody needs to go in it, they can wear their gowns and like, you know, whatever shit they need to wear. But like over here, first of all, there's lack of knowledge, you know, like on on everyone's part um, because nobody ever thought, you know, none of us ever thought that it would, it would really hit us. Um, but secondly, like in terms of actual, you know, like logistics of keeping everything safe, like it's it's just hard, dude. I think, and, and at the end of the day, I bet we're all just gonna get it. Honestly, I think, I think regardless, everyone's gonna catch it. Everyone's gonna contract it at some point. That's just, it's just the nature of the game, right? It's just hopefully that our our parents are a little bit on the older side, and you just hope that if they do contract the virus, like that they end up okay without like permanent lung damage or anything. So hopefully, it sucks because I'm again halfway across the country, right? So it's not like I can really do anything. On one hand, I'm safe, but I still worry about everybody. So I just want to say. Uh, you know, TDP, once you start listening to the pod, thoughts and prayers are with you from from me, from O, from everybody else listening. Uh, we can't wait to have you on. Yep, that's facts. Anyway, like I was saying before, apologize for that little tangent. Uh, basketball, looking hella hype right now. Dude, it's looking so nice. We just finished up the bubble. And, oh, just give me give me like some of your thoughts here. Like, what did you think about the bubble overall, first of all? You know, at first I was very, like... I did not think it was going to work out, to be honest. Very, it was like very skeptical. Yeah, dude, like high, high amounts of doubt. Like it was just such an out there. Obviously, I mean, COVID just has made everything like so weird. But dude, I mean, they're going into Orlando. First of all, Florida is like the freaking like center, you know, like the crux of like Corona. And then you have the fact that it's I mean, the teams that they actually put in were like the proper teams to put in. I just didn't know how it was actually going to go in practice. I, I didn't think it was going to work out as well as it ended up doing. And I actually thought that, I mean, the bubble was like really, really good. It brought like some much needed entertainment to this freaking pandemic. And these were like seriously some of the highest quality games of like the entire season. No doubt. These are yeah. they were like, yeah, dude, they were like every game that I watched on the level of like a playoff level game, in my opinion, because everybody like that were specifically i'm talking about uh like the teams that were kind of like lower in the standings or the teams that are like trying to make it into the playoffs because i mean they're fighting for their playoff lives and they were just you know playing as if they were actually in the playoffs and they were about to get eliminated and that was very refreshing to be able to watch like coming right out of the gates when you haven't seen basketball you know in like such a freaking long time i guess you bring up a good point because that was kind of the irony of it all right like it seemed like the top teams were were playing a little bit sloppier, especially like the first game, Lakers and Clippers, right? That was a very sloppy game. Uh, a lot of misses. The refs were making bad calls. A lot of the stars weren't looking the way that they did earlier in the year, right? It kind of took them a couple games to to kind of catch their flow. But then mm-hmm. it was like some of the lower seeded teams, and I'm not talking about like the Wizards or um, <laughs> you know, like the Kings or something, and, like the Blazers looked amazing the suns looked Dude. even better than they did in the regulars like the the beginning of the regular season because the suns came, i think a lot of people forgot the suns had like one of the hottest starts in the nba and they kind of cooled off after the first month but they came out of this thing guns a blazing they went eight and oh undefeated devin booker looked like one of the best players on the planet. It was like unreal the work that these guys put in to try to put themselves back in. And I think I saw this stat like actually just randomly the other day that the Suns had a point like zero one percent chance of making the playoffs. And unfortunately they didn't, right? Like it didn't end up happening, but they literally did every single thing that they could to possibly make the playoffs. And it just didn't end up working out that way because, you know, the way the rest of the um the games went. You got to put your respect out there, man. They, they put the league on notice. No, they did. And I'm really excited to see what they have going on next season because they're probably going to bring most of these guys back. You know, we can, we can talk about the Suns more in detail uh, a little bit later. But I just wanted to just throw that out there that the Suns looked incredible. They're the most fun team to watch. Devin Booker was one of the most fun players to watch in this whole bubble. It sucks that it ended up the way it did for them. It took until the last minute uh, for them to get eliminated. And who would have thought because they had... I think like the lowest record out of any of the bubble teams other than I think the same they had the same thing as the Wizards. They can't like you said, they came in with like a point zero zero eight three percent chance of going eight and oh and uh making it to the playoffs and they managed to do that. They did everything that you could have asked for them. Monty Williams, hell of a coach, and yeah, I think yeah. he's the right guy. He's the right guy for this team. It sucks that it ended up the way they did because I would I would have loved to see them. But also as a Lakers fan, 
Um, now that I moved <laughs> to LA, I can officially say that, right? And I'm not just yeah. like a bandwagon. Oh yeah, just no, like yeah, I mean, you are, you are for yeah, sure. I mean, you know, like uh, I always, I always liked the Lakers growing up, right? As long as they didn't. Yeah, play yeah, so did everyone. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Kobe. But rest in rest in peace. R.I.P. R.I.P. But but yeah, you know, I honestly, I I think of all the teams that they possibly could have played in the first round, the Suns were the team that I feared the most, just because they were they were so hot. They were uh, playing very good defense. De- and it wasn't just Devin Booker, right? Like, DeAndre Ayton was playing some ball. Uh, Cam Johnson time, was really himself. Yep. Cam Johnson was finding himself. Uh, Michael Bridges was finding himself. You know, they have a couple good veteran pieces over there. You know, exciting to see what they, they will do next year. And like you said, I, I think we could talk about them more in detail later. Because, I, I, dude, I have a lot of things, actually, that I want to say about the Suns. Because I remember I was, just, I was just waiting. Like, when are these guys who have been getting these top picks for, like, years on end finally going to like reach that climax where they're actually going to like start winning games because i mean you see it you saw it like with the sixers they got joel Embiid, who obviously was injured and then comes back and then ben simmons same thing and then you know these guys are together and then literally first season they're like one of the most fun teams to watch and they make it you know like a deep run in the playoffs and i was just like man when are sons gonna like get that you know deandre and devin booker like all these guys that they're getting and and like i said yeah we we, we could talk about it later more but just a very interesting team. No, de- definitely, definitely. But the team that I think that we we both want to talk about the most right now is the Portland mm. Trailblazers and Dalla Dame, who just went off. Like he was already hot before the 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 bubble even started, and he just picked back up where he left off back in January, February. This dude, we, we were talking guns a blazing, bro. This is like this is like scorching the the core of the earth, the sun. I don't even I don't even know what's the hottest thing that could possibly happen. Like that's been <laughs> that's been that's been Dollar Day in the last the last few games. I mean, his last three games. Be, in this is obviously you know talking about this before his game against. Actually, you know what? Even include the game against Memphis because I know he had like a bit of a slow start, but he still ended up with like 32 points. My guy ended I'm, up with yeah, 32, 31 or something like that. Yeah, like, he's been. I mean, he's been going off. It's just been. It's just been incredible to watch this guy single. I wouldn't say single handedly, right? Because Melo Melo came up with two very clutch shots. Uh, to get them even, to where they're at. Yeah. Go ahead. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, not even clutch shots. I mean, this guy had clutch performances. Like, he played very well throughout the bubble, in my opinion. That slim mellow, bro. Slim mellow. And I think, I mean, he kind of put the league on watch and just kind of reminded all the haters, like, yo, I am still a Hall of Fame caliber player. Like, just because I wasn't signed for a minute does not mean that I am not a quality NBA player. And I know he's he's not the the otherworldly perf- you know performer that he was earlier in his career. But the dude is still a great player that I think everyone's kind of forgotten about. And I know that uh, with the the evolution of the game and the fact that ISO ball isn't isn't seen as like the best move uh, for an offense, right? It's been it's been more about spreading the ball out and hitting threes and everything. And Melo, as great of a shooter as he is, he's He's just like an above average three point shooter, right? He's not like a, a an amazing spot up shooter by any means, but he's really taken into his role at, with the Blazers and he's been getting clutch rebounds. He's been get, taking clutch shots and he's kind of helps take some of the pressure off of Dame and CJ McCollum. But regardless, like I said, dude, Dame is just insane right now. Like I think he, he won the bubble MVP, right? Averaged 37 points in the bubble. 37.6 to be precise on 50 44 89 shooting. Uh so, you know, that's 50 50% field goal percentage, 44% three-point percentage and 89% yeah. from the free throw line. That's yeah. insane. And it's not like he's just shooting the ball either, right? Averaging 9.6 assists during the bubble and he had 4.3 rebounds. And 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 I think the biggest thing out of all of this, 41.7 minutes a game. <laughs> there are 48 minutes in a regular uh, basketball game, right? 48 minutes before you go into OT. He averaged 41.7 minutes. You guys understand how grueling that is? Basketball is not baseball, right? It's not like you get to stop very often and, you know, you just, it's like in slow bursts. No, like basketball is continuous, right? Other than, than fouls and the end of a quarter, these guys are running up and down the court, up and down the court. And Dame's not just you know, he's not just running either, right? He's controlling the flow of the offense. He's taking ha- basically half-court threes. 
and his release is so quick he's definitely exuding a lot of energy and he's trying on defense too like at the end of the Nets game uh that big steal that he came up with like he's just single like I said I can't say he's single-handedly willing them but he's definitely the star and he's definitely like the focal point like it's definitely the closest thing to that and and look by no means is that disrespect to his teammates at all I mean these guys also did everything that they needed to 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 be you know the role pieces that Lillard needed I mean CJ who is the dynamic duo you know backcourt along with Lillard had also an incredible bubble you know this guy seriously still put in the work that he needed to thank God for the fact that Yusuf Nurkic is not injured this year because before last season when he kind of had his like upbringing I guess his his rise into not I wouldn't I would I would not say stardom obviously I mean he's not even an all-star but into being like a really good player he's a very effective role player and he worked his way into being a focal point of that offense him being able to contribute to the team's success and you saw the things that he was doing i mean i literally just watched the the last game the playing game against the grizzlies and at, at the half he had 15 points and 17 rebounds you know and that's like at the half at the half like who gets that at the half this is more than people get after the end of a game and and, and nurk was putting in you know like really good numbers throughout the bubble trying to you know work the team back in and obviously mellow doing his thing uh, even Hassan Whiteside, I feel like, and I wanted to talk about this more with the uh, the matchup against uh, the Lakers, but I, I feel like Hassan Whiteside needs to do more, you know, especially coming back from being essentially the all-star on the heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this I feel like he, he needs to do a little bit more uh, to be able to really put this team at the level that it needs to be to be able to go far and deep uh, into the playoffs. I agree from an offensive standpoint that Hassan Whiteside needs to do more, but he's always just kind of been like a, a putback dunk, catch a lob, you know, like run, do the pick and roll, like do the do the rolling in the pick and roll. Uh, he's never been he's never been much of an offensive playmaker, and Yusuf Nurkic is right. Like we yeah, talked about the rebounds yeah. and we talked about the stats, but I think his passing ability for a big man is very underrated, and he True. does a lot of things for that Blazers team. And the number one thing, you know, that they were missing when he was out and when Zach Collins was out, and unfortunately Zach Collins just got injured again in the the Grizzlies game. But those guys bring toughness and that tough attitude that that the Blazers are kind of missing otherwise. Like, let, let, let's be, let's be. I don't real. know. You really think, you really think that they're missing that? I disagree. No, no, no. Dude, Lillard right. is like. I'm not saying right now they're missing it, but I'm saying from compared to last year, like, like Nurkic brings an, an extra edge to him that, that they don't have without him. Like, I thought you were I, talking about Whiteside. No, no, no. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Nurkic. Oh, uh, I thought you were, you were mentioning Whiteside. Okay. No, no. With Whiteside, I'm just saying offensively, Whiteside is, is not Nurkic, right? But no, he's yeah, still, no. but he's still, he's still like the top, you know, statistically speaking, he's a top shot blocker in the NBA. And For sure. But, but my point is, I mean, you, so he, his main thing is being like a good defender, right? Right. But right. The Blazers right. have like the worst defense, not yeah. the worst, but that's <laughs> some that's, of the that's, worst defense. That's what I was going to say is that at the end of the day, Whiteside being the top, like Nurk and, and Whiteside can, you know, protect the rim. But at the end of the day, the, they give off a lot of effort, right, defending everyone, but they just can't stop anyone. And it's not like they have uh, – they're missing Ariza, who is they're a great di- it's a great wing defender. But they're just missing wing defenders overall. You, you, and, 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 and the thing is you could tell with the loss of – you know, and it, I, I used to roast this guy so much, but El Farouk Aminu. Yep, yep. I really did not like him, you know, throughout the time, and it, it's it, honestly it has nothing to do with him. I feel like I, no, I just doesn't. didn't it like doesn't. him. Let's just let's just let's just let's just tell the viewers or the listeners why we didn't like El Farouk Aminu. <laughs> For one, his shot form. God, yep. it is so ugly. <laughs> like I, I don't like it. Actually, upsets me when he takes a shot because it just it shouldn't go in. It's it like what John Marion used to shoot. It, it just shouldn't go. And even then, like Sean Marion, like there was there was kind of a beauty in the ugliness. Like, like I don't know, I just it's it's not as bad as like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, but it's at least before he like you know reformed his shot like sixty times. Do you remember? Do you remember that picture of him? Literally, like he looks like he should have perfect shot form until you realize that he's shooting like at a complete angle. If like, you his look head at is ninety degrees <laughs> to the side, it's like, actually... why is this like this? <laughs> But no, no bro. Community but has one ugly shot. Like this is, yes. and it's such a high lob, yes. and I I don't get why. And then it just like, and and you know what would piss me off the most is when it goes in. 
Yes, that would it would. It should not go in. <laughs> because it shouldn't. And then it would give him confidence that he could shoot more threes, which he couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, that was one reason. Yep. All right. And another reason is actually just because, don't get me wrong, Damian Lillard is actually my favorite NBA player. It, like him and Russ uh, were, yeah, which is hilarious, I know, because of the beef, right? Which I, I don't know if they say it's beef or not. I feel like it actually isn't, but they just they just say it is. I don't know. The media, the media anyway, sure. Lillard is my favorite player. And I like I like the Blazers. I want to see him succeed. When they took out the Rockets in I, I don't what year was that? Twenty fourteen? I don't remember. When Lillard look, when Lillard sent him home for the first time back in the Lamarcus Aldridge days, when mm-hmm. Lillard sent home the Thunder, which you know that hurt me because I like Russ and I like PG, but I mean, God, mm-hmm. it was just so hard. So and and I, the thing is like that was that was last year. That was last year. That was, was, yeah, yeah. It was just Lillard, last year. And the thing yeah. is, you could just see it coming. Like, this man mm-hmm. is so cold. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I was saying, like, I like them. But when I was watching the Blazers Thunder series last year, I was watching, like, on a stream that had, like, the, the Trailblazers commentators. Dude, they are just, like, the worst commentators. <laughs> I don't, I, whoever from Portland would listen to this, I doubt anybody from Portland would listen to this. You guys are the worst commentators in the world. Okay? You are so biased for your team, which will happen. You know, there will be like an underlying bias no matter what if you're commentating for your team. But like at the end of the day, you're, you're a commentator. You got to commentate the game the way it's happening. Now, yep. oh, you know, that. It went in uh, the the ref. That was a bad call by the ref. Stop. Okay, just like it actually would upset me, and I wouldn't want to watch the game because of that. And I eventually just muted it because I didn't want to hear it. But you know, the commentators, these guys would like try to give like some backstory to El Faro Camino that he didn't have, and they're like, yeah, by the way, he's he's he's. He's actually a Nigerian prince, and his name, El Farouk, means the chief has arrived. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does not mean that. That is not what his name means. <laughs> That's literally not El Farouk is not the chief has arrived. Farouk literally means, I just, like, I mean, this is on Wikipedia. It means the one who distinguishes between right and wrong. It's it's like it's like the judge. I'm pretty sure it's it's it has something yeah. to do with that. Like, like, you know, being like a judge or like, you know, like justice, like that type of thing. It is not the chief has arrived. Apparently, apparently, he really does descend from a line of Nigerian princes, though. You have to know, bro, bro, maybe he does, all right? My, my man. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, regardless. <laughs> like, I, like, I, like I said, I just didn't, I didn't like him. And it's not even his fault. I just didn't. But um, he he definitely brought like a, a, like a strong defensive presence to the team that you can tell is missing this year. All right, so all this Blazers talk, all this talk about Dala Dame really brings up our first segment of the podcast, the LW. Let's go, baby. That's L-dubs. That's L-dubs all day. That's last wins, last victories. So I think the LW needs a little bit of an explanation, but it's actually very simple, okay? You guys know. Don't lie to yourselves. What is the most important win? It's the last win. You can go ahead and y'all can be playing Smash. Y'all could be playing 2K. Y'all could be playing FIFA. Y'all could be playing League. It doesn't matter what you guys are doing. Y'all could be playing, obviously, real sports, okay? And y'all could be doing well. Y'all could be taking dubs. Y'all could be taking victories. But if you lose that last game, you're walking away mad as hell. You're frustrated. And guess what? The person that was taking L's that entire time, they're literally feeling the most satisfying type of ecstasy you don't feel that type of feeling in any other scenario that's the l dub everyone knows the last win is the most important win it takes everything all of the events previously and just encapsulates it into just one packet one packet of good emotion that's the l dub and the blazers definitely took the l dub of the week hashtag damian lillard Took that L dub of the week. Bubble MVP it. willed his team. That's the L dub. Bro, just can can you talk to me real quick about about you know some of that Instagram talk, some of that social media talk that Yo. Dave and, and, and Pat Bev and PG went into? Talk to me real quick. Oh, especially because of that, you know, he took ah <laughs> uh, uh, he took an even larger L dub because he got the mental victory. These dudes was being so petty on the bench. P-Bevs, P-Bevs, Patrick Beverly, and PG-13. 
stop. Why, why are y'all coming at Damien like that? Don't come at Dollar Dame like that. Y'all know what it is. It's Dame time. This dude lets y'all know that he sent you home before. It's actually so great that P-Pants, P-Pants was on the Rockets back when Dame sent them home. It's actually so fitting that that was the case because he was also the one who was knocking him with PG-13, who just got sent home literally in a 1v1 situation from like 30-something feet out on a fader three to send him home with Russ when they were supposed to go way deeper into the playoffs, but they didn't get past the first round. Why? Because of Dame time. And then he gets him on Insta, too. Just don't come at my boy Dollar Dame like that, please. Actually, somebody needs to check their privilege. Somebody please check their privilege. Oh, couldn't be better put. Couldn't be better put. Let's try and get back. I don't even remember what we were talking about anymore. Neither do I. Oh. It's fine. <laughs> oh, uh, but what I, hey, I did want to mention something. Like you were saying, Melo kind of like reminded the league that like he is actually still like an above average player and stuff. And yeah, I'm going to be honest. He kind of needed to. Like he he definitely kind of needed to remind us because I mean with the Thunder don't get me wrong like I feel like Billy Donovan never really made or uh, uh what was his name Scott Brooks you know like when he was with the Thunder too I like I feel like the Thunder during that entire period of time never had a proper scheme mm-hmm. offensively that they should run using Westbrook and obviously Durant and Harden at that time then Westbrook and Durant and you know, then Westbrook and PG, like they never yeah. found like a niche, you know, like where, what is like the proper thing that we're, we're supposed to do? Um, and so for sure, Carmelo, you know, going into that type of uh, team that already kind of doesn't have like a proper identity, it, he's going to struggle in that because he's not going to be like a focal point of trying to run the offense. But yeah, he like, I don't know if it was by his decision or because of the way the NBA has kind of modernized, but he would essentially just try to be a spot up three point shooter. Right. And he was not great. Like he, with his time during the thunder, he was only a 35.7% three point shooter. And and if this is like all he's bringing to the table, because he's not bringing any defense, he's going to be not a good enough. I feel like piece to be a starter, especially Mm -hmm. considering the fact that, you know, a team like the thunder, uh, always used to have kind of that spot being like a defensive piece, you know, like uh, Roberson, who was injured, you know, for obviously the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, if he, and if he's not going to provide that, then he's got to at least provide like some sort of high powered offense, which he just didn't provide during that time. And with oh, the Blazers, I want to say, go ahead, actually, no, no, I, no, I, finish your thought. I just wanted to say with the Blazers, he's really pumped it up. Like his career, his career three point average is like a 35%. In this year so far with the Blazers, he's been 38.5% from three, which is, like, really solid. So, I mean, it's not even just that he reminded the NBA. Like, he actually did step up his game. And I I want to think it was him having, like, a mental change from being, like, you know, the point person, the guy. Because I know he still definitely struggled with that with the Thunder, not trying to be a Benchy. But when he you know, joined the trailblazers, especially after no teams were wanting him. I think he definitely had like a moment of understanding where he had to realize what his role would be, especially on a team that has a chance to, to go deep. Uh, and I think he really has stepped into that and you can see he has completely like elevated his game as compared to what he's been doing, you know, in the last couple of years before, obviously he was all-star superstar mellow, but really like has found his place with the blazers and has a big part of the reason why they found so much success here in the bubble no definitely definitely i wanted to say that i think a lot of it had to do his struggles the last couple of years just had to do a lot with him mentally just kind of accepting the nba has changed and like i mentioned before uh it's not that iso heavy ball anymore and mellow mellow is a guy that needs a he's a high usage rate scorer right high volume scorer he needs the ball in his hands and he'll make plays but it's just kind of the game just kind of evolved away from that and uh, you know, if it's not like your point guard or your your a point forward like LeBron or KD, who's using you know bringing up the ball and using the ball, it's it's just you got to be a spot up shooter. And Melo is not a spot up shooter. He's someone no. that he needs to get into the rhythm and then shoot. He needs to do a couple fakes. He needs to, sure. to dribble it around a little bit. And I think the difference between the biggest difference between the Thunder when he was with the Thunder last year and when he's been with the Blazers this year is that Terry Stotts has kind of just accepted like, yo, this is mellow. I'm gonna let him take his shots in the flow of the offense and I'll draw plays for him, but I'm not just gonna, you know, make him into a spot up shooter. Whereas Billy Donovan was like, nah, 
the, the, the fourth spot needs to be a spot up shooter in this offense. And we're yeah. going to we're going to let Russell Westbrook and we're going to let Paul George handle everything. And, you know, that's just not Melo's game at all. He needs to have the ball a little bit more. He needs to, you know, take shots within the rhythm of the offense. And Billy Donovan's a great coach, right? He's in the coach of the running this year. The Thunder shouldn't. And we should talk about this. The Thunder should not be the five seed right now. Oh. Like they on paper are not nearly as talented as some of the teams that are under them. But Billy Donovan finally has some guys and it starts, you know, at the top with Chris Paul. Yeah. He finally has guys that really fit into his scheme and it's shown. It's shown. And I know I've I haven't been like a big Billy Donovan believer in the NBA. Um, yeah. But he's shown me this year that he knows what he's talking about. He knows what to do on offense. He just never had the right pieces until now. Yeah. And and you know, it starts with Chris Paul really leading the team and we all thought that he wasn't even going to be uh on the Oklahoma City Thunder on opening day and yet here we are now where he's probably one of the most valuable players in the entire league really brought his stock back up especially after mm. what happened with the Thunder or even sorry not with the Thunder with the Rockets yeah, yeah and yeah and Shea Gilgis Alexander really coming into his own too as the you know the 1B to Chris Paul's 1A and I, they've they've actually been pretty fun to watch I don't know how much you've been able to watch them throughout the year but, you know, it starts with those two guys, Danilo Gall- Gallinari, Steven Adams, like these guys, Andre Roberson finally coming back to give them a defensive edge that they, I wouldn't say necessarily that they were missing, missing, but Roberson obviously is like one of the best perimeter defenders in the entire league. And he's not getting, obviously he's not going to be getting like huge minutes yet because he's still coming off of injury. But, you know, this team is is really fun to watch. Um, and with Schroeder coming back now too, with that three-headed guard monster, I think they could make some noise. Oh, is Shooter coming back? Uh, yeah, I believe so. It's uh, that's what the rumors are are saying. Are, are are these are these the Chris Broussard rumors, or are these you know like actual credible sources? I mean, uh, this is from an article on ESPN that I read by Royce Young, so I, th- I think it's, I think it's credible <laughs> okay, enough. Okay, okay. I mean, you can, you you really can never be too safe with that. I mean, if you never if you hear this man on undisputed, undisputed. Uh, you. <laughs> You really, uh, and I won't back down. Uh, you really, you can't know. Actually, you can, you can know. If Chris Broussard says it, you know that it's not happening. You can actually be certain of that. There's a very low percentage chance that it's actually going to happen. I'm pretty sure he's got some calls right, but not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Probably just because of sheer volume. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know. Just the the point is, you never know with his sources. You know. You do know. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's wrong. Oh. That's boy. what you know. But Schroeder, yo, so Schroeder, real quick to talk about him, right? Because I feel like sometimes he's kind of forgotten. I mean, the dude I like was him. he was a six man of the year candidate, right? He was like averaging him. averaging about 19 points a game, and he was a playmaker. I know the stats don't show like four assists coming off the bench is still is still pretty solid, but like I feel like he made a lot of hockey assists, and he really off the bench was kind of like dictating the flow, especially for that second unit. And he does. He, yeah, it's a little. Sure. It's almost you know. Obviously, it's a stretch because their their games are not similar at all. But it's a little bit reminiscent of like Harden last decade when he was on the Thunder, um, you know, dictating the second unit. Shooter has been kind of giving them that that same impact. And you know, actually, instead of um, James Harden, I I'd actually could like attribute it more to similar to Reggie Jackson when Reggie yeah, Jackson. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Look, man. Like I, I don't know if people have forgotten Reggie Jackson was a dog with the Thunder like during his like early seasons. He was actually really good. And that's I mean, like one thing, by the way, that the Thunder are just insane is coming to like getting young talent. Like they're actually very they're, they're just I think they're better than any other team when it comes to that. Yeah, they get some gems. That's for sure. Like Darius Basley is one of, you know, he I think he's uh, and let me double check. But I think he's on one bro, of the who? most improved. <laughs> 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 but how are you gonna talk about yeah man they're really good at like getting young talent and then their latest <laughs> great young talent you're like yeah who's that though oh my god uh Dar- you don't know who darius basley is ah no no he's a rookie i know i know yeah <laughs> but, <laughs> i bet you i think it's basley actually not even basley yeah, i think it is basley yeah. yeah but yo he so pre-pend so I've, I've got this pulled up his pre pre-bubble stats he was averaging four and a half points per game, right? With on 38.3% field goal percentage. In the uh-huh. bubble, all the way up to 13.6 points per game, six rebounds, and on 45.3% field goal shooting. Yeah. 
his I, I, I actually didn't know those stats. Yeah, his his three point shooting went up from thirty percent to forty seven point two percent. So obviously, like he, you know, moving forward, he's not going to be that, um, you know, scorching hot off from the three point line. But he seems to have really, you know, improved. And it brings up a good psychological point that I remember I was talking with someone that we'll probably have on the pod at some point, uh, but a friend of mine, and he was kind of saying like, I think a lot of these guys that are younger are doing a lot better in the bubble because they don't have to deal with the crowd noise at all. Like these guys are just ballers, right? They, yeah. they just want to hoop. Just wanna hoop. That's and so, so that's true, why you're actually. And that's why you're seeing guys like, you know, Darius Baisley, like TJ Warren, like, uh, Michael Porter Jr. I was like blanking on his name. I was like the guy from the nuggets, mm-hmm. um, you know, even Bull Bull too. Like these guys, these guys are hoopers and you know, with the bubble, they're, they can just focus on on playing ball and these guys are these guys are really talented so yeah i mean you know back to back to the point that we were we were making before like the thunder they've got they've got some really nice pieces and it's funny because now it's like oh yeah you know shea gill just alexander is a baller darius basley is a baller daniel gallinari like everyone forgot because he gets injured so often Mm -hmm. that this guy can can play and, and I, actually, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> Call me Kanye West. But <laughs> I just wanted to put it out there. Like, Gallinari, even last season, if you remember, like, the playoffs from the Clippers against the uh, the Warriors, Gallinari balled out. Like, he was actually probably their biggest, like, piece that was, you know, the reason why Clippers took two games. Obviously, I'm okay, I'm not going to say he's the biggest piece because you got Sweet Lou. But Danilo Gallinari was easily, like, in my opinion, the second most important player on that team. He, he was putting out like buckets, and he's really like he put me on notice during that season or um that series because I actually like I was a, I I believe me I knew of him like I knew he was like a solid player, but I didn't realize like how actually good he was until I watched that series because he was essentially going up against Durant, you know, defending up against him, and um he, when Durant wasn't caught being petty with Patrick Beverly and he was still putting up like good numbers. So the, the acquisition of Gallinari by the Thunder this season was like, no one thought, you know, no one expected that it was going to be like this, like fruitful. But I, I, I get, I think you could have had some inkling of expectation if you, you know, watched him during his time with the Clippers. No, definitely. Definitely. I mean, Gallinari, even before then he was, always consider you know considered an above average player it's just that he was injured all the time and yeah, yeah like like to your point Gallinari was balling out for the Clippers Shea Gilders Alexander even was balling out for the Clippers I think everyone kind of you know saw his stardom coming or at least like saw that he was going to be a great player in the league it's just this quickly is was kind of the big uh surprise mm-hmm. but you know these guys are doing really well they're following Billy Donovan's scheme and the Thunder are gonna be exciting to watch, especially going up against the Rockets. I hope Westbrook comes back from that injury soon. My God, he needs that to. series is gonna be so much fun to watch. My God, he needs to. It's, dude, especially, dude, like there's so much drama between those two teams, man. Like, if you think about the history between the players that are on the Rockets and the players that are currently on the Thunder, there's like it's actually just wild. Because even Harden, you know, like who's you, yep. obviously nothing recent happened with the Thunder, but this guy came from the Thunder. You know, this is where this guy originated from. He's on the Rockets because the Thunder didn't want to pay him. And I don't really think he has, like, any, you know, bad blood toward the organization. I really don't think he does, especially after this long. But, you know, that's like a piece of history for sure. And then you've got Russ, who was just on the Thunder up until last season, and now is playing with Harden, whereas Chris Paul was just playing with Harden last season. Obviously, things didn't work out. And then Chris Paul got scummed into going with the Thunder. It's just going to be so good, dude. And, And... what I want to talk about, too, when you were mentioning Billy Donovan is I never thought of myself as a Billy Donovan believer either, um, just because I, I guess it's a co- I guess it's kind of a cop out, you know, to blame the coach when you have such like raw, not even raw, but like such stardom on one team. And if they don't end up playing to expectations, you just, you know, why can't the coach, like, you know, think of a scheme about this? Like it's the coach's fault if you can't figure it out with, you know, this these pieces, these players, because you kind of look at the Warriors. And I mean, these guys are obviously the best players, you know, some of the best players. They had Curry, they had Thompson, and then obviously when they got Durant, they were able to work it. But I guess that's more, you could, you could attribute that to, okay, first of all, Steve Kerr is like an incredible coach, right? But was it really Kerr or was it the fact that people like Durant and Curry and Clay were able to buy into his system? When you yeah. look at the Thunder, Russ is playing however Russ wants to play. 
and honestly, Paul George is going to do that too. Because if you remember his time with the Pacers, he ran that team. Then you see like a player like Russ finally gets off. And then you get a player like CP3, who is the definition of a true point guard, like a pure point guard that I guess you don't really see much in the NBA anymore. I, I actually don't know if you really can think of a point guard like Chris Paul anymore in the NBA. But yeah, there's only there's only a couple, honestly. Right? Yeah. Lonzo Ball, Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Obviously, they're not even at the same offensive talent as as a Chris Paul, but more just that Mike Conley, like just guys that are more pass first point guards, more traditional point guards. You know, with the way that people like Steph Curry and Trey Young have evolved the game into scoring first point guards, I mean, we're seeing that those are the guys that, that will win you championships, or at least that type of archetype is what yeah. the NBA believes will win you championships. Yeah, there isn't there aren't many guys like Chris Paul anymore. And everyone was worried that, oh, you know, Chris Paul might be washed up now. Right. Oh, Chris Paul might not be he might not be the type of player that you you want in this current NBA. And so, yeah, he's it been playing, working out. Right? No, it the was, rocket. Yeah. And it, it wasn't at all. Right. Because why would you want Chris well, Paul to have the ball in your hands? We have Harden. And, and God, it's so unfair to say that, actually. And we're, it's like, so I wanted to finish what I was going to say. But e- even then, I kind of want to talk about this. Like it kind of did work, though, up until like, you know, the last season. Mm-hmm. I feel like it did. Like they actually were going to beat the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals yep. two yep. years ago. Like they absolutely were going to win if Chris Paul didn't get injured. And then he got injured. And then you had 27 missed threes in a row. And then the Rockets ended up losing. And then like, what are you going to blame that on? Your second best player on the team got injured. Unfortunate, so unfortunate during Game Six and Seven when you guys were up three two in you know against the Warriors of the playoffs. And it was just so so unlucky. But like it did work. And then the Rockets played the Warriors again the year after, and, you know, they ended up losing that. And, you know, there was friction between the players and it just didn't end up working out like that. But it's just so unfair to say, like, it it didn't work out with Chris Paul because it kind of did until it didn't. I think that that was definitely more of a like the player personalities clashing than it was the actual on the court production. Yeah. And you know what was weird too with the Rockets back then was it was a lot more. It was basically James Harden and Chris Paul are gonna ISO and they're just gonna take control of the offense and they're gonna take turns shooting and that's our offense, right? And now and now without him and I will say this like now without Chris Paul there, James Harden is kind of like the de facto guy to to control the ball, right? I, obviously they have Westbrook, but Westbrook's like he's adapted to to just kind of be he's obviously he's not the center right but he's kind of taken more of that like yo i'm just gonna take putback dunks rebounds i'm gonna you know take a couple jumpers here and there but i'm not gonna i'm gonna stop shooting so many threes i'm gonna stop picking the ball off the court as much and just kind of let harden do his thing and just play in the flow of the offense and that's a big reason why they're they're small ball and obviously pj tucker being pj tucker and just balling out and austin rivers and and those guys yeah austin rivers dude Seriously, mm-hmm. a really good player. Yeah, very he underrated. Is, guy, everyone everyone basically like took him down. We're like, oh, yo, Austin Rivers isn't really that good. The only reason why he's in the league is because his dad is a coach. Uh, No, no, Austin Rivers uh, can actually ball. No. Honestly, he's a starting point guard on yeah. like teams that aren't, don't already have star point guards, you know? And I, I wanted to mention Russ with Harden. So first of all, uh, you said like Chris Paul and James Harden kind of like, you know, I saw that didn't really happen. I feel like I feel like Chris Paul, like he would drive, he would do his classic Chris Paul thing. He would drive it in. He would enter into the paint slash like, you know, Perry paint area. And then he would distribute from there or he would do his classic fadeaway mid range jumper or floater over like, you know, whoever's guarding him. And it, it's very effective. Like it, it works super well. Chris Paul is just so good at being able to maneuver essentially wherever he wants to whether or not he's inside the three-point arc or outside of it, right? But like you said, it's different now with Harden Westbrook, and, and Harden is that de facto guy for sure. But, I mean, Westbrook, he, he runs his own stuff too, man. And, and this guy, like, when, when you got Westbrook on there and he's able to do what he wants, it's finally, like, and, and this way I was, it actually segues perfectly into what I was talking about with Billy Donovan. Mike D'Antoni is seriously just like an offensive mastermind. Because he found a way to be able to utilize the pieces that he has into an offense that's just so good. Russ, when he's on the court and you just have four three-point like specialist shooters just on the arc and the entire inner domain is just free for Russell to do his classic explosiveness and drive into the basket. And if he either, you know, goes up, he's either putting it up and making it, getting an and one, getting fouled in general or being able to distribute it out. It has been so insanely effective. I don't know if you like you've been able to watch like their games. It, it works so well. It actually works so well. Especially like I didn't think it would work against a team like the Lakers and you have Anthony Davis who's able to just rim block. But dude, it worked. 
it works so well actually and it's finally finally like like i said russ being like my other favorite player other than lillard seeing like a system that works with him and i like the rockets too and as well as harden like just being able to see them succeed especially with something that's so unique original like completely dude they eliminated the big man you know like it's so unprecedented seeing that actually be able to work because all of the players bought into it is just like really nice to see and it just goes to show man like when you have the right pieces and you have the right mastermind you're able to make things happen it, it kind of begs the question too like will this will this style of them playing small ball will it continue to work is this the future of the nba or are they just gonna are teams like the lakers um or even you know teams like the nuggets or if they end up playing the jazz or something like will these guys be able to stop them because there's still a lot of really good big men in the league and i don't know if if this small ball lineup is going to continue to work i know you said like oh yeah well it worked against the lakers for that one regular season game but now like it worked because a lot of teams didn't have they didn't expect it and they didn't have enough film to really dissect this but now that it's been months and months i think i think it will get stopped and you know, we'll talk about it more when we start talking about playoff matchups uh, on a later date. But uh, it's going to be, regardless, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Like, that's fine. That's fine. I just want to say, the Rockets went 4-3 in the bubble. And it's not like it's only worked against the Lakers. These guys were taking dubs throughout the rest of the season with that, you know, system. So, I don't know. Like you said, we'll talk about it more later. But um, it, it definitely is, it's going to be an exciting matchup for sure. You know, Rockets oh, with Thunder. Definitely. And speaking of exciting, exciting matchups, I think the last thing that I really want to talk about regarding the bubble is the Mavericks. And I think it's going to be fun because like we haven't really talked much about the Eastern Conference teams because honestly, a lot of them were. You want an Eastern Conference rundown? I'll give it to you. You got the Bucks who stand at the top. I'll be honest, they were looking a little bit crusty during the bubble. They went three and five. Uh, I know that there was a game that Giannis didn't play because he was out here pulling his Zinedine Zidane on people. But they, in general, kind of weren't looking as they were, obviously, before the season ended and the bubble started. The Raptors were looking really nice. Like, they were... It's it's so surprising, actually. I want to talk about them more later, too. But the Raptors were... I like them. I like them a lot. I'm just going to say hot take. Hot take right now. Raptors are going to be in the finals. I said it. Finals, finals, or Eastern Conference finals? You no, know finals, what? Honestly, finals, finals. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm a double down. I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to agree with that. Because... I, it, the, you know, assuming Pascal Siakam finds his, his offense again that he had earlier in the year, because in the bubble, he wasn't playing as good as we know him to play. Uh, the Raptors are the most complete team in the league. They, I mean, this would be a real hot take here, a real stretch, but they might be better than they were last year because just because they're role players, you know, guys like Fred Van Vliet and, and guys like Kyle Lowry, they're playing even better than they were uh, beforehand. Sergi Bach is still there. Uh, they still have a lot of great players. I'm, you know, I would be afraid if I'm an Eastern Conference team that, that the Raptors are just going to run they, it up. I think those. they are, man. They went six and one in the bubble. And Masa Ujiri, dude, shout out to him. This guy has just constructed seriously such a complete team that you can remove Kawhi Leonard and you can't forget about the fact that these guys were the reigning champions. It was not, like, obviously Kawhi was the center focal point of their team last season. But Pascal Siakam, man, this guy has grown into his all-star status. And like you said, in the bubble, even he hasn't been hitting what he was doing previously. But you see all these other guys, man. Like, that's what I mean. This team is just so complete and so good and so deep. All of these other guys are able to step up. Van Vliet, Lowry, he blocks all of these guys. And um, like you said, dude, honestly, I, th I think I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to agree with that. I think the Raptors are going to be in the finals. Um, Celtics, he paid, uh, you know, we could talk about the rest later. That's, that's, there, there's your Eastern <laughs> yeah. Conference rundown. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Uh, the Celtics are a great team too. They're, they're looking really good. Kemba Walker's looking really good right now. We'll, we'll go more in depth into them, uh, at another time, but the team, the team that I want to talk about is the Mavericks just because Luca was looking amazing. Kristaps Porzingis was really looking amazing. And I know yeah. they, they only, they only went like three and five in the bubble yeah. And they didn't yeah. they didn't play that well, but like you could see it, it went down to the wire against the Blazers, right? And they weren't really trying to win too many games because the I think they the Mavericks at some point knew like yo we're locked into the seventh seed regardless, <laughs> um, and we're gonna have to play the Clippers. But but Luca looked really good and Kristaps looked really good and it's just it's gonna be so much fun to watch these guys moving forward because Luca I I mean I'm not I don't have high expectations against them against the Clippers like I don't expect them to to win the first round yeah. by any means sure but but Luca there's so much hype around him and he just can see like consistently 
proves that that hype is warranted. You it's know, like hype. He, yeah, it's 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 like you know, obviously he's not underrated by any means, but he's not overrated. Luca's the truth, and I think Kristaps yeah. now he's like he seems to be like fully healthy now. I know he, I think he went down again towards like like at the end of the game of uh, the last game that they played, but Kristaps looks really good right now. He probably is in he the. Stepped it up a lot during the. He bubble. did. I think like next year he'll probably be like you know, in the running for most improved player of the year. And they just got to get a couple pieces around the guys that they have right now around Luca and uh, Kristaps. And these guys are going to be like a top four team in the West consistently. I just love how Dallas always gets those Europeans. You know what I'm talking about. They, yep, <laughs> they, yep, got, they got Dirk. Dirk. They got Dirk. They got Luca, And then they didn't have Kristaps. So they're like, we have to trade for him. Exactly. And then they got Kristaps. <laughs> they got it. Honestly, it's not gonna surprise me, bro. Maybe they they get Gallinari on their team too. And maybe then, like maybe they get like Frank Nittala, uh, Nittala. Bro, think about they got JJ Barea. They have Boban. Nitalikina. Nitalikina. Yeah, they do. They have Europe. They just have like all the European all stars. They have Team Europe, dude. Don't they even have JJ Barea too? Like, yeah, he's not European, but he's foreign. They're like the Spurs. They're like the Spurs, but like, you know, the modern Spurs. They Maybe Manu Ginobili comes out of retirement and joins them. And joins them back, bro. T- uh, Tony Parker, you know? <laughs> nah, but for real, the da- dude, the Mavs are a dope team. I, I really like them. They're a lot of And fun. I just, I love Luka, dude. I seriously love Luka. All right, y'all. That about wraps up the show for today. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and listening um, we didn't get to talk about all the points that we've mentioned, like going a little bit more in depth about the Suns and a little bit more about the Blazers and a few other teams. We'll be able to go a little bit more in depth on teams like that, get a little deeper of a dive into some of these teams on later episodes. We'll be focusing more on the playoff matchups coming, you know, in the next few episodes. And we'll this is a sports and anime show, so we'll be talking more about anime in future episodes. We'll be talking about other sports and basketball in future episodes. And we hope that you're looking forward to that and that you'll tune in. Oh, what are your last thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to echo what you said. I really I I really enjoyed making this actually. Um and I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Uh, this is just the start of something great. So whatever feedback you guys have, whether it's positive or negative, we want to hear all of it. We appreciate you guys for just actually tuning in and listening to us. We'll be back. We'll see you guys next time and hope you guys have a wonderful day. <laughs>